When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, everybody. It's Shep Hyken here. We are back with another episode of Amazing Business Radio. We have a great show today. We're going to be talking with Jason Barrow, who is a leader in Bain's customer strategy and marketing practice. And he is specifically specializing in the net promoter score, NPS. And if you know and listen to these episodes over the last few years, I am a huge fan of NPS. We've had Fred Reichelt, who is the founder, uh, developer, inventor of the net promoter score. And what's really interesting is that Bain and Jason have this um, report, the U.S. Benchmark Report on NPS Leaders. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about who the great companies are. We're going to talk about how to operationalize NPS. Uh, but before we do that, a couple of quick announcements. If you have a story that you want to share, an amazing customer service story, or you have a question about customer service and experience that you want to ask, please be sure to reach out to me on any social channel because I'm pretty much everywhere and I will either answer the question there in that channel on this show in my newsletter, The Shepherd Letter, which comes out every week, or my TV show, which is Be Amazing or Go Home. And you can catch episodes on uh, Amazon Prime, Roku, Apple TV, or just go to beamazing.tv. That's beamazing.tv. All right, let's jump into our interview. Jason. Welcome to the show. Happy to be on, Chef. Nice to, thanks for having me. Well, I'm excited. Uh, I'm always excited about every guest. I love what we do here. But I'm excited because I am a huge fan of NPS, Net Promoter Score. And Bain is world famous for that. Uh, we talked before we we started the recording. Uh, we talked a little right. bit about Fred Reichelt, who's been on the show. And uh, I just love every book he comes out with. And so... Uh, Welcome. I'm excited. And we're going to talk about NPS. And what I really want to get into is you have a great report. It's like a benchmark study. Uh, you refer to yes. it as the PRISM, NPS PRISM, but it's a U.S. benchmark report. And you shared who the best of the best in different industries are, who we might want to be comparing ourselves. But this is really what I want to get into, operationalizing NPS. How do you not just yeah. get the score, but what do you do with it once you have it? Yeah, and, and ultimately that's what we're trying to build. So we we do have scores with NPS Prism. This is Bain's NPS benchmarking service that we that I built starting three four years ago. But at the end of the day, what we're solving for is not just letting companies know what their score is, but really being able to have them understand why. Yeah. And once they understand why and how much it's worth to fix it, that our what our tool is designed to do is to enable them to do real prioritization and then execute on those fixes and inventions for customers. So how do you do that? I mean, it's a simple question. On a scale of zero to ten, what's the likelihood that you would recommend? Yeah. By the way, uh, and you said something before we jumped on here. 
the score isn't as important. I mean, people calculate it wrong. Okay. Sure. And even, even uh, Fred said, it's okay if they calculate it wrong, as long as they're calculating right. it some way and they're consistent with it, yeah. you know, it doesn't matter. Uh, but a nine or a 10 is your promoter. <clears throat> And right. we want to know why. And and I guess um, how do you know what you get the score now? What yeah. how do you get the detail behind what you right. need to understand why that score happened, what you can do about it? Yeah, the simple way to think about it is you have to break the problem down into units that make sense to the business leaders. Now, you use the That's word problem and that refers to where they stand with customers. So okay. I always describe it. The reason you're calculating the score you want to know which customers are happy and which ones aren't happy mm -hmm. because happier customers are more valuable to the business. They buy more, they stay longer and they bring their friends, which right. is what Fred has always said. And so at the end of the day, just knowing that you're 10 points ahead of your competition or 20 points behind your competition, that's not enough. And so what the, our instruments are designed to do is to break the problem down into the units at which companies actually can fix things and can invent things. And so in a lot of industries, we talk about journeys or episodes. So think of them as they range from purchasing episodes, renewal episodes, use episodes, break fix episodes, service episodes. And depending on the industry you're in, there's a different taxonomy is how we describe it of all of those component parts, those journeys or episodes or experiences, whatever you want to call them. But the idea is that you want to be able to sort those, which of those are detractor creating, which of those are promoter creating, which things are happening at different rates across companies, because sometimes it's an incidence rate problem is the way that we describe it. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, what I want to be able to have all of my clients know is not just where they stand, and yes, you can look within any of these industries. And usually it's not a surprise who's really good. Like we all know Amazon is super good. We all know that Navy Federal is very good. We know, those are not the surprises. The question for the other companies in those industries is, well, why are they better? And how much is it worth for us to close the gap to them? And what would we go do about it? And these journeys become those units. And they sort of become the units in which we can break the problem apart and also the units in which we can get deep enough to describe, well, if you want to improve the bank open experience and you are, you know, bank A, what would you go do? Are you making like it like an account opening? Yeah, like an account open experience. It's like, is the key about how fast it is? Is the key how nice the person is? Is the key about the product design and the policy rules and how. And so we want to be able to break these problems into those units at which they can go talk to their operational teams in a way that's just much more tangible than any of the other solutions in the marketplace. So what I'm hearing, and I'm going to kind of summarize what I'm, I'm hearing from you, is that number one, we get a general score. That's our general right. NPS store, score. Now we take a look at the journey, and we've talked about journey maps on the show before. Basically, right. the different journeys or incidents, as you refer to them, right? Um, and we break those down. So let's say I'm at a bank and I'm opening up an account for the very first time. There's a That's journey right. that I'm going to take, and it may start as That's soon right. as jumping on a website to finding out where your branches right. are, what the hours are. 
I finally yes. may talk to somebody. I may do it online. I may do it in person, but whatever those touch points are, we're analyzing. So then do you recommend that we take a look at each one of these touch points along the journey and try to define in a clear vision, like what our customer satisfaction score is at that moment in the journey? Because that, yeah. I, I'd say it's like, it's the it's the sum of those, of that right. of the scores of that journey that lead you to the NPS score. That's exactly right. And and so it is, it's all those component parts. And I'll tell you one interesting, like I, you know, I was just talking with one of my clients the other day and they, in the, in the telco cable space, mm-hmm. like they were thinking about um, the break fix moment, like your cable goes out. Part of this is they define cable going out different than how the customers define it. You know, the, you, you sort of have to meet the customers where they are, sort mm-hmm. of both define what the event is, as well as when it starts and when it ends. And oftentimes there's a mismatch. But that's exactly the way to think about it. You have to be able to break the problem into the way both your customers are thinking about their experiences, but also about how your business thinks about investments and resourcing and prioritization. And when you get those things matching properly, you really can drive improvement very quickly. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, and and the whole idea behind what we're doing here is we want to increase our NPS score. Right. Um, we do want to compare it to others in the yeah. industry that we're in, um, if we can yes. do that. Um, and then we all want to understand what what drives that NPS score? What is making, if we have a high score, why are people so happy? We need to actually, we can't just assume, oh, we're doing a great job, but what are we doing? And make sure we're more purposeful about it. Right. Yep. And yeah, then if something. there's a problem, we need to fix what needs to be fixed. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was just, in any industry, you can say, you know, is the company winning because they're easy? Are they winning because they're nice? Are they winning because the product is better? Are they winning because the pricing and value is better? Clarity on when you're winning, why you're winning. And there are different paths. There are different paths to NPS 60. We, I have, you know, there's an NPS 60. What is, what is that? Oh, an NPS score of 60, which is an NPS score of 60. Got it. An NPS score of 60. Like the interesting thing in, like in grocery, for instance, an industry we all know well. There are lots of different paths to NPS of 60. Like HEB is up there. They sort of win on a whole host of things. But Costco is also up there, obviously a very different model. Mm-hmm. Aldi is up there. Aldi wins on sort of price and value. You know, Publix is up there. Publix wins on friendly and so, sort of service levels. It's different paths to scores of very high levels. So let me ask a question, and I I I'm, I feel like we're going to step back for a moment to do this. Sure. In order to score NPS, you ask people on a scale of zero to ten. You take all of the numbers you get, you yes. uh, subtract detractors from promoters. That's percentage correct. of. Them. Yes. Percentage of them. So right. that's a number that can range from, you know, you can get up to NPS of a hundred. Everybody is a promoter. Everybody is incredibly thrilled Mm -hmm. all the way to negative 100. Like you can, you can in theory 
have so the thing can range this 200 points is the way to think about it and you know the best companies we see out there in the world are up at nps 50 60 70 80 and, and what again, that means is that 80 let's say 80 percent of the customers love you and 20 percent right. are detractors and don't you get an yeah. nps score of 60 that's right okay yeah and sometimes there's a there's the group in the middle we call them passives right so sometimes you can have lots and lots of passives. So you can, another way to get to NPS 60 is 60% promoters, you know, zero detractors and 40% passives. Right. That's another way to get to NPS of 60. So there are different, there are some companies that are very polarizing, mm -hmm. but yep. that, but the more normal thing is sort of all the percentages are sort of shifting up and down as you, as you go. Right. So that's real important to understand is that a 60 is really a good score. It's pretty good. Yep. And again, it, di it differs across industries. Mm -hmm. Like 60 in cable TV is really high. Yeah, I know. Because <laughs> like not many people are happy 60, with their cable TV. 60 plan. in health insurance would be really, really high. But 60 in cars is not that high. No. There are lots of automakers that are up at levels of that height or higher. Mm -hmm. There are definitely banks that are up at that level. They're, you know, as there are definitely grocers up at that level. Yep. Yeah. I'm looking at, at uh, from your prism report. Um, it looks like, like Lexus is a 79, sure. uh, which is, is actually across the board. That is the highest. That's, that's the winner. Amazon yeah. is a 56 HEB, the grocer you just mentioned uh yeah. wins in that category of six, having a 68 let's yeah. do this let's take a short break and when we come back sure. i want to discuss some of these rock star companies oh yeah and, and how we can maybe say okay let's compare ourselves to them and uh but we still need to be looking at our competition obviously but we, we do we'll talk yeah. about that and a whole lot more we are talking with jason barrow who is the leader in bain's customer strategy and marketing practice and we're talking all about nps don't go away we'll be right back one of my favorite sayings is that customer service isn't a department it's a philosophy and it's a philosophy that must be embraced by everyone in the organization all the time and that's 24 7. So if customer service is important to you, and I know it is, then you will love our virtual training, the ultimate on-demand customer service and experience training program that you can access anytime, anywhere. Now, the course content applies to everyone, regardless of position and responsibility, from senior executives to the most recently hired and everyone in between. You'll discover tips, ideas, and strategies that won't cost your company a fortune, but will produce what I call moments of magic, those positive experience, and it will happen at every level of your organization. So go to Customer Service VT. That's V as in virtual, T as in training. That's CustomerServiceVT.com. It's time to get customer focused. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio talking with Jason Barrow of Bain. We're talking about NPS. I want to talk about some of these industry winners that, I mean, I look at who huh? is like checking and savings. Navy, Navy Federal Credit Union. Great, yeah. you know, and and I see USAA is also part of that. They're also yeah. part of insurance, both life and home. They have extremely high scores. Um, yes. You've got, uh, you know, looking at like YouTube. 
I'm surprised YouTube yeah. is a 48. Well, yeah. YouTube Live. People really like the that's the streaming service. Okay. So this is this is the video streaming service. Oh, the YouTube. video streaming service. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Which is Think comparing of it as the... itself to like a Netflix. Or this a... is compare. Yes, this is them being about. Yeah, this is them being a bit ahead of Netflix. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's that market. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Now, when you look at internet, the highest winner there is T-Mobile. T-Mobile is an interesting one. With a score of thirty, which kind of freaks me out. Right. And and again, that's T-Mobile. That's their fixed wireless service which again is this is it's a different model this is basic you know they have this is not the telephone company this is this is not the telephone this is not the verizons and the and the comcast of the world this is Mm -hmm. and so this is a this is a new entry into that space effectively where the interesting thing is that their product is not quite as good like it's not quite as fast it's not quite as reliable but the service levels are amazing. And if you sort of think about what people think of their cable companies in general, like I always talk about it, there are too many fights about money and too many break fix experiences. And so the customers are a bit torn at the moment. Like they like T-Mobile, but it's, you know, it's unclear if that model wins in the end, but you can see the customers wanting an improvement in service. Like that's what we all want. We all talk about our cable companies and the issues that we have with them. And so it's, it's, and it's one of the themes that I see across these industries. If you're, if sort of everybody is making their customers generally unhappy, new people are going to enter and they're going to create new ways of meeting needs of customers. And if they can create a new way in a, in an industry where there's a lot of headroom, they're going to win. Yeah. Do you know, uh, do you know, Professor Lou Stearns over at Kellogg? Is that a familiar name to you? Yeah, I uh, think, yes. I spent a little time with him through a, a program through YPO, Young Presidents Organization, a number of years ago, and I'll never forget what he said. I am so focused in what I do on customer service and experience. And he said that the best service in the world may get somebody excited for a short period of time if the product doesn't do what it's supposed to do, no matter how good and nice and friendly and quick to respond you are, the customer is going to go find a place, even if they're not treated quite as well. And the same is the true uh, truth of the best product in the world with right. the worst service. Somebody's going to say, I want to feel a little bit better. I'm willing to sacrifice a little bit of that yes. product quality for a better experience. So it's and like this balance that you're playing. That's the dynamic that really matters. And the but it's this clarity on when they're winning, why they're, winning. Hmm. and it's creating all sorts of opportunities across these industries for new opportunities to enter, new service models, new types of product offerings, and we see that across lots of these industries where the people at the top of the list are not the standard model in a sense; they're sort of doing something different. And the different is often better and can win in the end if it's differentiated enough. There is a direct correlation, I believe, between high NPS score and profitability and revenue and everything uh, tied to a company. And if you look at publicly held companies that have high NPS scores, uh, and Fred and I talked about this, I even wrote an article about how to beat the stock market using NPS uh, without being an investment advisor, but that was basically... The I didn't 
give advice. I've just shared the fact that he yeah. had that if you invested a portfolio of top NPS companies, it outperformed the market by a huge number. I want to say almost 600%. Um, yeah. It sounds exciting. So as I look at some of these companies here, I'm thinking, wow, uh, why? I mean, Lexus is part of Toyota. We have to realize it. There's Toyota is not on this list, you know? Well, their, their brand, you know, again, they do pretty well. They do pretty know. well, sure. but does investing do. in that come? And, and again, there's cyclical. Again, yeah. With, with again, not. Yeah. I mean, again, not specific advice for sure, but right. I completely agree with Fred, the general, the way that you think about this, and I always describe it as, at the end of the day, customers find their way to happiness. And if you think about how that's happening in practice over time, customers that are with a particular company, if they're not that happy, either they're waiting for that company they're with to start to deliver better service and better product, or they are in the market for an alternative. And the way that we see these markets move is that over time, share flows from the low NPS companies to the high NPS companies. And so the effect that Fred is seeing is that the, the loyalty leaders within an industry, just sort of the tide is rising faster for them. It's They're finding it easier and cheaper to do customer acquisition. And so for them, high NPS is leading to more faster profitable growth and so eventually the market notices that yeah and again you know i think in general like that makes sense to us like this is how we all behave as customers like once we if there's a new way of solving a need that is dramatically easier dramatically nicer dramatically more reliable even if we're not trying it ourselves eventually we're going to run into a friend of ours that is trying it and we're going to hear, and it starts to impact how we behave. And so that works itself out in the market in that direction, which honestly, I think is that's better for us all as customers. Like, I like thinking of this idea of nobody has to be trapped in a bad customer experience for very long. Yeah, you have ultimately choices. what we're trying to do. There's right. choices. People have to be willing to make the switch. Now, it's obviously, it's right. easier to switch to a different uh, retail grocer that's just down the street than it might be for me to that's go into a new exactly bank right. and start that whole process all over again. Sure. Um, but and, stickiness and, you know, only is sticky so long. Stickiness is only sticky for so long. Right. And so I've, you know, Fred and I have had lots of conversations with executives over the years where essentially what they're hoping is that for them, their customers are stuck. And so they don't need to make them happier. Yeah. And obviously that works for a while. Because in some industries, you do feel stuck, like the switching cost is high. But if you're making your customers unhappy enough, and if the alternative is 30, 40, 50 NPS points better, eventually people are going to dab, like they're going to try it. They're going to, you know, they put themselves in the market. They look around. Right, right. Which, it's you know, and that's, and that's what I tell you, you know, again, you, you, there's a certain amount of stickiness. In a lot of these markets, the churn rates aren't that high. But you're right. In things like retail and grocery, I, people can switch super easily. Yep. I'll go across the street or down the street, you know, but uh, that's right. Sure. Um, gosh, I was um, 
you made me think of something and now it's shot out of my head and it was a perfect question prior to our final question. Uh, we're talking about the stickiness of companies where to, oh gosh, I should have written it down. Normally I write these things down. It drives me crazy when I don't. Um, but NPS, great concept behind it. The idea is once you know your basic score, you have to find out why. And even though you might want to compare yourself, I want to be as good as Amazon. I want to be as good as Apple, whatever. I think you need to say great lofty goal, but what is your competition's NPS score? Right. Yep. Yeah. You always have to compare yourself to your near in competitors. Who are your customers switching to? Who are your alternatives? Who are your customers alternative? Like that's what you always need to know. A lot of my clients have historically defined their competitor set way too narrowly. They want to act like they're competing against the same people they competed against five years ago. Right. And in a lot of these markets, that's just not true. They're now digital only entrants. They're new actual entrants. There's new product options that are solving the same needs. You have to think broadly enough mm -hmm. and say, who might I lose customers to? Right. And, and not only that, you, no matter, even though you, you, you may be as good as your competitor, maybe even better, your customers comparing the experience with you to the best experience they have. And if they're not happy with you based on, and by the way, that's from other industries. If, oh, if yeah. they feel like you're not matching up to what they think great services, they may try another company, whether they're better or worse, just to try it because they want, they want the change. I remember what I wanted to ask. Sure. <laughs> this may open up a can of worms. I, we need to answer it in the next minute or so. But here is the, there are <laughs> companies out there that have been written about that are purposely, they don't try to create a great service experience because they know they don't have to. And they're willing to lose a customer because it's just, you know, the, the, it's sticky to leave. Um, you know, they, they say the airlines only want to do so much, you know, cable companies only want to do so much because they realize that, you oh. know, competition's limited. Any thoughts there? It, it's a hard conversation. I would say mo most of the executives I talk to, they want to get to the right answer. These things are not, these things aren't free. So I don't want to suggest that these questions are easy for these companies to answer because obviously you know, there's some amount of hold time that you sort of have to live with because you can't have a call center large enough to make everybody be able to connect instantly. Like that's that's probably not worth it. Mm -hmm. And so it's about getting the trade-offs right. And it's about, you have to define things the way the customers define them. I, I you know, one example that I had from a long time ago with a cable client is they had an internal, they were trying to measure installation success. Totally fine for them to be measuring that. But the way that they measured installation success was not the way the customers were measuring it. Mm. And so they were giving themselves credit in moments in time where if you actually showed the customer, the customer wouldn't agree. And maybe they don't and, even care. Well, they cared, They but they want to give themselves credit when the customer's as it's exactly as you said, the customers know what good looks like, even if it's not from that industry. They know how easily you can return things. They know how easily you can buy things. They know how easily you can put forth a dispute and have the dispute resolved. Those types of things they do across all sorts of companies in their life. And some of those are super easy. 
and super friendly and super. And so they know what good can be. But it's hard for these organizations. This is part of why we want to build this data, because part of what I want to be able to show those companies is where the trade-off really is. Like a lot of times they just don't see it. They don't see where the customers, where the customers quit because of the service experiences they got a year ago or two years ago. And so they're not, they're not as you know, honest with themselves, I guess is the way to put it around how the relationship between service levels and other things to customer behavior, retention the rate, the reality, there's, there's usually more slope there than they think there is. And they just haven't really done the math. Yeah. And the other thing is complete. there's a gap in perceptions, leadership in many companies think that they are much better than they actually are. Yes. And that's, and that's an important piece of why we built NPS Prism is a bit of the ability to shine a bit of truth as to how do the customers really feel about you in a way where I'm getting your data and your competitors' data in exactly the same way. Mm. So that it becomes, even if you think that there are some biases in the way I'm doing this, it's it's apples to apples with the your competitors' data. And it helps illuminate the places where they're really not as good as they thought they were. Yeah. Which is which is the key. At the end of the day, all organizations are working on all these things. What most organizations are missing are the places where the current plan isn't good enough. And they're not currently revising the plan. And so part of what you want is in the handful of places where the current thing isn't good enough, you want to go back to the drawing board and redesign what that part of the experience looks like with higher levels of execution like that's at the end of the day that's what you want them to be doing and without the clarity in the data they don't do it they just keep doing what they were doing yeah and i think this is so so important and i really hope this is the kind of conversation we're having and i don't say this very often but we need to go back and listen to the suggestions that you're making there's a lot of nuggets that you're dropping here so many in fact i mean i i i, I can't regurgitate them all Basically, we're out of time. I have one more okay. question for you. I mean, we could talk sure. about this for hours and hours. I really oh, yeah. believe this. I'm, I'm sure. so passionate about what you do. And and so thank you Thanks. so much for being oh, on the course. show. Happy one last question. That. You know what's coming. If you could share one more piece of advice, wisdom, information for us, actionable idea, what would it be? Yeah, I mean, the, the key thing, as I always say, is just if, if you're running these businesses, you need real clarity on where you actually stand and why you stand there and how much it's worth to be better. And if, and if those things aren't clear and you're not aligned with your leadership team, that's thing one to go do. Like if you're not aligned on where are we really and why are we here and how much money is at stake? then that's a big miss. And that is what I've been trying to build for organizations and clients because clearing the, I call them data debates. You have to, as an organization, you have to get past the data debates and get to the actual fixing and inventing. Mm. And a lot of organizations are stuck at data debate mode and just getting them over that hurdle and getting to the real fixes that their customers are going to care about is what I really want to see happen. 
Well, I would love to see that too. That sounds like a utopian type of a customer experience. That's right. <laughs> we can all hope for that, right? We can all hope for it. We're going to go fix all of the customers. <laughs> We're going to go fix all the companies I do business with. That's where yeah. I want to start all the time. I love it. I love it. Well, Jason, thanks so much for being on the show sure. uh, again. This Absolutely. has been great. You and I could talk for hours. I'd, I'd love to maybe have a part two down the road and and we'll sure. continue the conversation. So really appreciate well, very, you being here. Absolutely. Very nice talking with you, Chef. All right, everybody, that wraps it up. Another episode of Amazing Business Radio. And we will be back next week with another interview. Until that time, this is Chef Hyken reminding you to always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.